Our Father in heaven, it is a wonderful privilege to be able to call you our Father. Lord, we are gathered this morning to open your word to hear from you. So now, on our knees and in our humbled hearts, we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So about two weeks ago, I presented this um, same sermon, um, and I was praying about what to share on this particular devotional, and it was impressive on my mind, I must go back to this sermon. So as you're studying, I, I want you to be prayerful as the Spirit seeks to speak to our hearts and to our minds. We're going to do a survey of the Gospels, and I want you to start with me in Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to begin somewhat slowly, and then in the middle we'll speed up, and then at the end we'll slow down, because I know we only have a short time. So in Matthew chapter 26, I want us to read, and I'm going to read in your hearing, and then we're going to do some observations of the text. In Matthew chapter 26, we're going to begin reading at verse number 6. The Bible says, now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For the ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman have done be told for a memorial of her. So we read through the passage. We're going to make some observations. Please participate as I ask you a few questions. Where is Jesus at? What town is he at? So Jesus is in Bethany, and he's actually in Simon the leper's house. We find that there's a woman, she brings an alabaster box with precious ointment. This woman interferes with a meal and pours the ointment on top of the head of Jesus. That's what it says right there. Doesn't it say that? While he was eating. Now, I don't know if you've ever um, been eating and someone has a strong perfume while you're eating. There's a strong connection between taste buds and the nose. You following the idea? So this woman takes ointment and pours it on the head of Jesus while everybody's eating. The disciples have indignation, and they say, to what purpose is this waste? Jesus protects the woman. The anointing, based on the scripture, is preparing him for his burial. I keep putting baptism there, but it's for his burial. Jesus says this woman's story will be told 
as a memorial. It's very interesting. Now, we're just observing the text right now. I want us to go now to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And we're going to begin reading at verse number 3. Mark chapter 14 and verse number 3. Notice what the Bible says. It says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very expensive, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. Well, that's interesting. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She have wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do good to them. But me ye have not always. She have done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she have done shall be spoken of a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests, to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So let's observe the text. Jesus is in what town again, my friends? Bethany. He's at Simon the leper's house. This woman brings an alabaster box of spikenard. The other passage said it was just precious ointment. This one says it's spikenard, very expensive. She breaks the box and pours it on Jesus' head. Now this passage tells us that some had indignation within themselves. So there are some that are murmuring within themselves. There are some that actually are speaking it out. And then it says there's a waste, and then it gives us a value on the waste. It's 300 pence. Jesus protects the woman. And he says, this anointing is preparing him for his burial. I know it says baptism. Jesus says this woman's story will be told as a memorial. And then lastly, Judas goes and begins the process of betrayal right after this dinner. Again, we're just observing the text. We're watching the text. We're watching the text. Let's go a little bit further. Luke, Luke, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to begin at verse 36. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. And watch carefully. Now Luke is the doctor, so you know the doctor pays attention to details. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36, the Bible says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was set at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and then wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. 
Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a, what's it say, my friends? She's a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Pay attention, my friends. Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, watch, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, have not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Right now we're just observing the text. Not even preaching yet. So let's see. Luke doesn't tell us what town he's in, but Luke does tell us that he's at a Pharisee's house. So we now find that Simon the leper was actually a Pharisee. We find that this woman that's bringing an alabaster box full of ointment and spikenard, she is no ordinary woman. In fact, in the eyes of the Pharisee, she is seen as a sinner, a woman of the town, someone that is known by many of the men. Pay attention. In this one, it doesn't say that they break the box over his head. It says that she stood at his feet behind him, weeping, washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair, and she's kissing his feet. I tell you the truth, my friends, if you've ever been to a dinner like that, that's no ordinary dinner. And then at the same time, when you begin to think about this, you have to say to yourself, what is it that this woman has experienced that has moved her to the place where she's willing to embarrass herself to the point of tears and wiping a man's feet with her hair and kissing his feet? What type of love is taking over her? We see that the Pharisee speaks within himself. There's a lot of speaking within oneself, you know what I mean? A lot of internal conversations that are being revealed, the heart being revealed. This Pharisee speaks within himself. If you knew what type of woman this was, you would be. Hmm. Jesus protects the woman. And then he gives a parable about two debtors. He talks about loving much because she was forgiven much and loving little because one was forgiven little. And then it says to the woman, your faith has saved thee. 
We have one more passage to go to. I want you to go to John chapter 11 now. In John chapter 11, all four Gospels record this story. All four Gospels gives us a different perspective on what's transpiring here. In John chapter 11, we're going to begin reading at verse 55. Please notice what the Bible says. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple. What think ye that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might do what, my friends? They might take him. So here's the context now. Chapter 12. Then Jesus, six days before, what does it say, my friends? I just want to make sure you're with me. Six days before Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Y'all not hearing this story. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, that they might see Lazarus also, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulting that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that, by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So let's observe the text. Three of the four Gospels identify the location of the feast, which is in Bethany. We know that the feast is at Simon the leper's house, who we know that Simon the leper now is a Pharisee. But we also see something interesting here, that there is service by Martha within the Pharisee's house. You should ask yourself the question, if I come to your house, you're usually serving me, right? If you come to my house, I'm serving you. It's not normal for somebody to be in my house and it's my house, but you're serving. You follow what I'm saying? There's some type of familial relationship between Lazarus, Martha, Mary, and Simon. Y'all not paying attention. Hold on. We're going to keep going. I don't have a little bit of time. There's a familial relationship there. We see that the woman, not identified by name in any of the other chapters, now is identified in John that this is Mary, the sister of Martha the sister of Lazarus. She is the one that they're calling a sinner. Pay attention, my friends. 
She, Mary, anoints Jesus' feet and wipes them with her hair. And the Bible gives a very interesting description here that the ointment fills the whole room. There's so much imagery here, brothers and sisters. My mind is running through all sorts of scriptures, but I have to stay here. The ointment fills the whole room. The order fills the whole place. And then it says, remember now, the disciples speak within themselves. There's a, actually, they speak out in, in Matthew. They speak within themselves in Mark. The Pharisee speaks within himself in Luke. But here, the Bible indicates that Judas speaks up. But I want to tell you how it went down. If you read Desire of Ages, Judas leans over and speaks to Peter. And we know about Peter. Everybody knows about Peter, right? Peter's a loud mouth. He'll speak it out loud. What? <laughs> Judas whispers it. Peter opens his mouth, and boom. Now it's a big thing. Some are saying it within themselves. Some are speaking out loud. Judas Iscariot, being a thief, wanted the money for himself. He was not interested in love for Jesus at this point. Jesus protects the woman. And there are some people there with a desire to kill Jesus and Lazarus, my friends. Many Jews believe because of the miracle. Now, with all the facts on the table, well, a lot of them, not all of them, but taking the, the totality of the Gospels in regards to this story, I'm going to posit to you, and I'm going to go back to Luke chapter 7 for a moment, and I want to highlight something in this chapter that is so very important. Go back to Luke chapter 7, my friends. In Luke chapter 7, again, now Jesus is talking directly to the Pharisee. He's doing a comparison in a parable between the Pharisee and the woman. Watch what the interaction tells us. I want to go back and look at verse number 40 now. And Jesus answering said unto Simon, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. I want you to know something about God. If God asks you a question, it's not because he has no answer. When God asks you a question, the intent of his question is so that you can examine yourself. That's what he's doing. When he asks you a question, son, Adam, Eve, who told you you were naked? Elijah, what doest thou here? When God asks a question, he's asking the question so you can recognize your true condition, where you really are in relation to him. Are you following the idea? So he asked Simon the question. Simon, of course, says, you know, we're with a lot of bravado. David did the same thing. Oh, yes, the one that uh, he forgave most. <laughs> Watch, my friends. Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman has, since the time I came in, have not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little was forgiven, the same love of little. 
I'm going to posit something to you right now. I'm going to throw it at you. You may not believe what I'm going to tell you. In this parable, and I'm going to show you from the pen of inspiration, in this parable, the two debtors, who do you think they represented? Who, who do you think they represented? Simon and Mary. Everybody see that? Now, Simon, the leper, Jesus had healed from leprosy, which is a big thing, because if you had leprosy, you were an outcast, yes? So God had forgiven and healed Simon the leper. Do you know that Mary, if you read through the Gospels, Mary had seven different times, seven different times Jesus had cast out a demon out of Mary. Seven different times. Remember Jesus comes to the house because the house of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, he loved to reside there. Remember when Jesus came there and when he came there, Lazarus is sitting and listening to Jesus. Mary is listening and sitting to Jesus, but Martha's just busy working, busy working, busy working. Do you know why Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus? Because she had just been delivered from a dark place. She's sitting at her deliverer's feet. She's listening to the words of her Savior. Now, mind you now, Remember what the Bible teaches, that if you clean your house, you push out the demons the first time, and you clean your house, but you don't fill it up, the demons come back seven times worse? Think about that. She had cast out demons seven different times. Now, I've been around and encountered people who were possessed by demons. It's not a pretty sight. And every time someone's possessed by demons, it doesn't always show itself in like eyes rolling in the back of the head. It doesn't do that. And in fact, Pinevis Christian says, Desire of Ages says that the Pharisees were possessed by the same demons. But I'm looking at this story. Remember, Jesus said, Those who are forgiven much love what? Let's put this on a scale. Do you think that Simon's sins were greater than Mary's sins? What do you think? Ooh, let me show you this. I'm going to skip something. I'm going to skip this. Well, let me just put it out here. Do you know 300 pence is a year's wages? If you do a little bit of calculations, 300 pence equals about anywhere between $16,000 and $31,000. First of all, have you ever bought a perfume bottle for $16,000? That's on the low end. 300 pence a year's wages. This woman was in love with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, 300 pence. But watch this. I'm going to read this to you. Simon had led into sin the woman he now despised. Nobody heard what I just said. Remember, he said, if you knew who this was, this woman is a what? She's a sinner. How do you know, Simon? Simon was the one that led her into sin. It is so strange, my friends, and if, if you watch your own heart and your own soul and you watch how people deal with people, it is easy for us to look down upon the homosexual. It's easier for us to look down upon those who don't keep the Sabbath day holy. And we ourselves have so much stuff in our brains and in our souls that is rotten. Simon 
had led into sin, the woman he now despised. She had been deeply wronged by him. So the very beginning of her being possessed by demons was because of him. Who had the greatest sin, Simon or her? Simon. Simon. But the woman who was just a victim of him, now, of course, she's responsible for her own sins, yes? yes? But listen to this, my friends. She herself had received the forgiveness of Jesus at such a level, in such a way, where her love was so deep and so strong, it didn't matter who was in the room. It is because Simon did not recognize the depth of his sin that he loved so little. I hope you hear what I'm saying. Because he didn't recognize his need, my friends, is because he loved so little. Oh, let's go do some missionary work. Two people show up. You know why two people show up? Because we don't recognize the great sacrifice of our Lord. Let's go do some door knocking. Let's organize an outreach to deal with the poor. I ain't got time for that. I'm busy. I got things to do. I got to take care of my family. You love little, my friends. You love little. We love little because we don't understand the great sacrifice that our Lord has given on our behalf. This woman was in love with Jesus. Now, Jesus tells a story. And the strange part, you remember, if you go back, if we go back for a second, you see here in Mark chapter 14, upon the ending of this wonderful event, Judas goes and begins the process of betrayal. Now, I want you to see the contrast here. Let me ask you a question before I ask you, before I go forward. How many of you love Jesus? Can I see your hand? Can I see your hand? All right. Judas had joined the disciples when multitudes were following Christ. The Savior's teaching moved their hearts as they hung entranced upon his words, spoken in the synagogue, by the seaside upon the mount. Judas saw the sick, the lame, the blind flock to Jesus from the towns and cities. He saw the dying laid at his feet. He witnessed the Savior's mighty works in healing the sick, casting out devils, and raising the dead. Watch this now. He felt in his own person the evidence of Christ's power. He recognized the teachings of Christ as superior to all that he had ever heard. That describes everybody in this room, right? But watch this. He loved the great teacher. Wait, didn't you just tell me you love Jesus? Judas loved his teacher too. He loved the great teacher and desired to be with him. But watch this. He felt a desire to be changed in the character and life. And he hoped to experience this through connecting himself with Jesus. Isn't that your desire? But wait. He gave him a place. Jesus is so awesome. He gave him a place among the 12. He trusted him to do the work of evangelists. He endowed him with power to heal the sick and cast out devils. Listen, but Judas, 
Listen, 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 listen. But Judas did not come to the point of surrendering himself fully to Christ. He did not give up his worldly ambition or his love of money. While he accepted the position of a minister of Christ, he did not bring himself under the divine molding. He felt, listen to this now, he felt that he could retain his own judgment and opinions, and he cultivated a disposition to criticize and accuse. Be careful what ministries you listen to, my friends. You could be under the ministry of Judas. My friends, I look at this, and every time I'm looking at these passages, I'm not looking at these passages so I can preach to you. (laughs) I don't like preaching. I am an introvert by nature. This is upon me because God is saying to me, Andre, you could be Judas. Don't you love the teachings of the master? Yes. Don't you believe they're superior to all others? Yes. Don't you believe he's the Messiah? Yes, I do. But do I bring myself to the point of surrendering surrendering to him fully? Fully, my friends. Fully, my friends. Fully, my friends, it is a sad reality that many will be under the preaching of the third angel's message and be moved by meetings such as this and will come up in the last hours and try to figure out how come I'm not making it, what's wrong. But here's Judas, and you know what he does. He betrays his Lord, and my mind just, it's, compare, contrast, Here's Mary. Here's Judas. One name will go all the way down to the end of time, to the glory and praise and honor of God. This will go down, even in the loud cry, Mary's name will be mentioned. Jesus says it will go down as a memorial. Do you understand that? But Judas, the opposite, the great antithesis of it all, is so closely connected with the Antichrist power. Somebody asked a question last night about Jesuits. Please. I'm worried about Judas. It's us in this room I'm afraid of. Because in my mind, I'm asking, Lord, you know, it's a struggle when you're trying to figure out what to preach. Am I supposed to say this? Am I supposed to do this? But when it's so pressing like this. When it's like that, it's like, okay, somebody's in trouble. Let me hasten on. I want to go now to John, John chapter 20. And watch this, my friend. This has to be one of the most beautiful passages in all the Bible. Verse 11, 
It says, but Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see of two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Now, I want you to pause for a second. At this time, several other disciples had ran and gone to the tomb and gone and seen nothing, and they all left. This woman stays because she's in love with Jesus. She stays there, and she, listen to this now, and this is my sanctified imagination. She looks into the tomb, but she's really looking into the most holy place. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? What's in the tomb? Two angels. One on this side and one on the other. What are they there for? They're there for their Lord. She looks into the most holy place and watch what happens now. Verse 11 again, I read. But Mary stood without the sepulchre, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and see two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, woman, listen to this, why weepest thou? She says unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Watch this. Jesus said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. What love? She wants the dead body of Jesus. She don't care what nobody, I'd give me the body. What love? I look at Mary and I'm saying, man, Lord, I don't love you like that. What love? But watch what happens. When the heart truly understands that they have been forgiven, and that they have been loved by the Most High God, God himself then reveals himself uniquely to this particular individual. Watch. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, you know it must have been the way he said her name. I mean, he'd been talking to her the whole time. Who are you looking for? But it must have been the way he said Mary. My sheep, hear my voice. Is he calling your name? Is he calling you? Because at the end of the day, all this preaching is said and done. At the end of the day, all he wants is you. 
deep, close, abiding relationship. Mary. Mary. Andre. Andre. You put your name there. He's calling you this morning. And listen, my friends, here's the secret that most people don't truly understand. You see, when the spirit of God comes upon a man or a woman, the first thing that he feels is not necessarily overwhelming joy. What may happen to you is that you may feel unworthy. When the spirit of God comes upon a man or woman, he reveals sin. In that moment in time that he's revealing sin to you, it's not so that you can go run and hide. It's not so that you can go fix yourself up. The revelation of sin is there so you can say, Father, forgive me. Father, save me. A man or a woman that cries that cry, God cannot but help and save If you look at the cross, look at the cross for a second. Jesus is on the cross. The thief is there, and he's dying. And Jesus stops and pauses in the midst of his own suffering and says, this day you will be with me in paradise. Jesus stops dying to save somebody. He can't help but do it. Do you understand? He can't help but do it. A woman is walking by and she reaches out in faith just to touch the hem of his garment. He has no power to resist that touch. He has no choice. He must respond. So why will you die in your sins when the Savior is offering all salvation to you? My job is done. If you want to accept his great love and salvation this morning, Signifying by going to your knees and for a few moments talk alone with God. And after a few moments of silence, then I will close. Father, you have heard our prayer. Take our hearts, for we cannot give them. They are your property. Keep them, for we cannot keep them ourselves. And save us from ourselves, Father, our weak, unchristlike selves. And raise us into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich currents of your love truly do flow through our souls. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making us whole. Thank you, Father. Pray this in Jesus' name and claim the merits of his blood. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.